Merry Christmas Eve Eve, church family. It's good to see you guys. I had a couple of people uh, come to me uh, because this is the very first time we've had a Christmas Eve Eve service. And so I had a couple of people come up to me and say, hey man, why don't you, what, instead of calling it the Christmas Eve Eve, why don't you call it just the Christmas Adam? And I, th- about three of you got it. About three, about three of you got it, right? Because Adam's great before he, anyway, I was like, man, I like a good dad joke as much as the next guy, but that's a bridge too far. We're gonna call it, we're gonna call it Christmas Eve, Eve. Is everybody done with their shopping? Most people are done, right? I talked to one brother in the lobby that still has some stuff to do. So some of you guys gotta, gotta get out of here and go get some stuff done. It's good, good to be with you. Um, if, if you are new or visiting, perhaps you're watching uh, online, just wanna say a welcome to you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Chris, one of the pastors um, here at New Life. Now my, my hope for this evening um, whether Christmas is a magical time for you or, or whether, honestly, Christmas is a time of, of sorrow. And I know the reality is, for some of you, this has been a really hard year, hasn't it? I mean, I've talked to some of you even today where uh, 2021 has been a year of loss and sorrow and lament. For some of you, you're not looking forward to, to Christmas morning in 36 hours because you know for the very first time you're gonna sit down at the family gathering or the family Christmas celebration and there's gonna be an empty seat there, right? And so for some of you, this is a, a sorrowful time and, and it's, and it's kind of painful. In either case, whether you're here, man, and you're, you're stoked for Christmas or, or maybe it stings a little bit. Maybe it's kind of a sorrowful year for you. My hope is that you would leave uh, this place with kind of just this, this underlying, this undergirding sense of, of joy this evening. And so that's what I wanna talk to you about just for a few minutes um, is on the subject of joy. Now, I don't know uh, what you think about when you hear that word, right? Joy, J-O-Y. For me, uh, I think of, especially uh, this time of the year around Christmas, I think one of the, the famous Christmas carols that we just sang a few minutes ago, Joy to the World. Uh, I, I think about things that, that tend to make me happy, like a good ribeye cooked to medium with a side of oven roasted potatoes, maybe a side of grilled asparagus, perhaps the smell of coffee and or preferably both bacon uh, in the morning when I wake up, right? It just kind of enlivens my soul. You can just kind of inject that into my veins. It makes me, makes me happy. And I think especially as, as Americans, isn't this, isn't this pursuit of happiness just kind of baked into our very DNA, right? In fact, I, I looked up uh, this week in our Declaration of Independence. So guys, listen, in our, in our founding documents, all right? So let me, let me just read this. Some of you could quote this. I'm just gonna read it so I don't butcher it. This is what it says, founding documents. We hold these truths to be, truth be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Since 1776, so for almost 250 years, we've been as a culture, as a nature, on this, on this quest to pursue, to find, to capture happiness. So let me, let me just ask you a question this evening. How we doing, y'all? How we doing as a, as a nation? Have you, have, you, have you turned on the news? Have you driven down I-26 at 5 p.m. Uh, from Asheville to Arden? Have we, have we mastered the art of happiness as a, as a nation? I don't know if you know this or not, but there's, there's actually an annual happiness report that measures which countries are, are, are the happiest. 
All right, so, so just out of, out of curiosity, show of, hands, show of hands, how many of you think that the United States of America made the top five most happy countries in the world? Any takers? We got, we got two, three, right at the first service, we had a few more. All right, how, how many of you think that the, that the U.S. made the top 10? Surely we made the top, how many made the top 10? A few more. How many of you think we at least made the top 15 happiest countries in the dang world? Fit top 15. We clocked in at number 19, right? We, we barely, barely cracked the top 20. Listen, the wealthiest nation in the history of the world barely break the top 20. Now, now why do you suppose that is? Do you, do you think that maybe, just maybe, we've missed something really important along the way? Now, I don't know about for you, but at least for me, I, I think, Happiness can at times feel like a game of hide and seek. Or you, you get a new car, you got that new car smell. It's pretty awesome, I'm happy. Right, three weeks later, some moron runs a shopping cart into it, the Walmart parking lot. I'm not happy anymore, right? I get a new iPhone, I'm happy, man, it's got new features. Three weeks later, Apple releases a new iPhone that's got five lenses on the front instead of three lenses on the front. I need that one now. So I'm not happy anymore, right? People are kind to me when I'm out shopping. That makes me happy. Somebody cuts me off an I-26 and flips me to the bird. I'm not happy, right? That little rage monster comes up. Probably somebody with New York plates or Florida. One, one or the other. Not, not sure, but always one of the two. And all God's people said, amen. Now, do you see how fleeting happiness is? Right, like, like we, just, we just can't seem to really uh, kind of get like a firm grasp or, 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 or grip on happiness. And, and why is that? And I think the reason is because we uh, live in a broken world. Listen, that's cold, it's dark, that's violent, it's dangerous. That, I would argue, has become kind of a, a breeding ground, especially in our culture, in our society, for, for anxiety and, and anger and mistrust and despair. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to you. Yeah. The, the reality is, guys, we, we have to rightly diagnose the disease before we can apply the cure. Isn't that true in almost every arena of life? So, so here, here, here's the problem. I'll actually put this on the screens for you. Here's the problem as it relates to pursuing happiness. The problem is we live in a cold and angry world. Anybody wanna dispute that? I don't think anybody would. We live in a cold and angry world. In fact, my, my wife was, was out uh, Christmas shopping earlier this week and, and I was here studying, just doing a little prep for uh, the, this evening. And, and she sent me a text and she said, I think somebody just flipped me the bird uh, on, on I-26. And I'm like, so much for Christmas cheer, right? It's, it's, and the reality is for, for all of us, man, it's next to impossible to find and keep happiness in this world. So I'm just telling you, look, if, that, if that's your goal, man, you're, you're probably gonna spend the rest of your life just kind of on a, on a hamster wheel, running really fast and, really, and going nowhere. You're likely gonna end up frustrated. You're likely gonna end up kind of disillusioned. And, and here's why. Happiness depends on happenings, right? So, so if some, something good is happening in my life, then, then I'm happy. If something sad or, or sorrowful or bad is happening in my life, then I'm not happy, right? I get, I get steak for dinner, I'm happy. I get a kale salad for dinner, I'm, I'm not as happy, right? It's, it's circumstantial, it's, it's fragile. 
So would it surprise you if I were to tell you that I think that what most of us are chasing in life is actually the, the wrong thing? That, that what God wants for us is not actually happiness at all, that he actually wants something much deeper and more unshakable than happiness for us. And that one thing that he wants for us is joy. And that's actually what Christ brought into the world to bring us because you see, joy is not circumstantial. I love what the, uh, the great philosopher and theologian, you, you may maybe have heard of him, Bono, has to say about joy. This will be on the screen. He says, joy is an act of defiance. I love that, don't you? Joy is an, is an act of defiance. And I, as I was kind of contemplating on that truth this week, the one image that kept coming to my mind, maybe, maybe you've seen it, we're gonna put it up on the screens for you, uh, is this pic in, in, in 1936. There's a man named August Landmesser, all right? Former Nazi himself, fell in love with a Jewish woman and refused to salute Hitler to his face, right? refused to salute his empire of darkness and what I think is maybe the most powerful image ever in human history of defiance. And, and I think that that image kind of encapsulates what joy in a world of darkness really looks like today. And so here's, here's my stab at a, at a biblical definition for joy. Joy is the defiant choice to live in a deep-rooted deep gladness regardless of circumstance. Joy is the defiant choice to live in a deep-rooted gladness regardless of circumstance. And by the way, this is what humanity has been longing for and grappling after and trying to capture for millennia. In fact, there was a guy named Isaiah who lived 700 or so years before Christ, wrote a book of the Bible with prophet of God. And this, is, this will be on the screens for you. This is what he wrote in Isaiah chapter 9. He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I love what Isaiah is saying there. Isaiah is saying, hey, listen, yeah, guys, the world is dark and cold and jacked up and messed up and full of violence and chaos and death and desperation. Like, I'm not trying to deny any of that, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. God is one day gonna send a savior and he's gonna take everything that we've jacked up and messed up and shattered and he's gonna give us in exchange unshakable joy. Not happiness that can be taken away, but unshakable, bulletproof joy. Now I wanna look at just for a moment the, the Christmas story as, as it's narrated in Luke's gospel. If you're familiar with uh, the New Testament, Luke, the author is this Greek doctor who began to investigate the the claims, the, the life of Jesus. So he began to, to interview Jesus' closest friends and, and, and disciples and family members and actually became a follower of Jesus himself. So we're gonna look at Luke chapter two. Again, this will be on the screen for you. This is what Dr. Luke writes. He says, and while they, that's Joseph and Mary, were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because for them in the inn. And in the same region, there, was, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by now. now. Now, don't miss this. The Messiah is born when? In the morning, noonday, the sun's out, 
bright and sunny. No, he's, he's born at, he's born at night. He's, he's born into the darkness, into the chaos, into the cold, just like Isaiah prophesied all those years before when he wrote, into the darkness, a great light will shine. Look at verse nine. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear, which is, by the way, what, what happens when you see an angel, right? Angels are not these little baby-looking things with togas on, floating on clouds. They're these angelic, incredible creatures. And so they saw these angels. They were afraid, verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, for all the people. In other words, this joy is not just gonna be for the Jews, it's not just gonna be for the Israelites, it's gonna be for all people, right? All people, this is for everybody. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, an angel, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And just like that, Almost 2,000 years ago, joy entered the world and joy was made available to you and made available to me. Now let's go back, let's rewind just for a moment. Remember what the problem is. We live in a broken world, don't we? It's dark, it's cold, it's angry, it's violent. Happiness here seems to be elusive, if not an illusion, right? And so here's, here's the solution that, that Christmas actually brings to that problem. I'll also put this on the screen for you. The solution is that Jesus, Jesus sources real joy to all who seek it in him. Like, like, here, like here's the deal. He wants to give it to you, friend. Like God is not this, this old angry guy on a rocket chair in the sky with a, 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 a big long white beard with a frown on his face just hoping that you'll grapple and, and grovel enough to get his attention, his love, his affection and then maybe he'll give you joy if you do enough good things. That's not the message of the gospel at all. He wants to give us this joy. Like joy is not this unattainable idea out there. The source of joy is a person that can be known and experienced, Jesus the God-man, born in a manger to bring light into our world and into our lives. That's why I think John, the apostle John, one of Jesus's uh, very best friends, penned these words as he recorded the teachings of Jesus in John 15, where Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then look at verse 11, I love this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus goes, listen guys, I, I want you to have my joy. Like I, I, want, I, want to, I want to give it to you. I want you to possess it. I want you to live lives that are full of joy regardless of the circumstances that may be swirling around your life. And so in a world that oftentimes feels really cold and dark and hopeless, Jesus is saying, listen, I give you unshakable joy. And here, here's the deal. Here's, here's how you get it. Abide in me. 
Abide in me. That word, that word abide just means to stand and to, to, to remain in. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, God, just, just trust in me. Just, just press into me. Just walk with me. When the painful seasons in life come, when the waters of life get choppy, and they will, your happiness may dissipate, but your joy will remain because you have me. And in me, you have all that you'll ever need. I think that's why the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians could say, I am sorrowful, but always rejoicing. I am sorrowful, but always rejoicing. And many of you have experienced that. You can, you can have both of those things simultaneously, but I think what Paul is saying is that the joy begins to overwhelm the, the sorrow and the sadness and the hopelessness that can creep into our everyday lives. And I think Paul was ultimately saying this, hey, listen, guys, it doesn't matter for me if I'm rich or poor. It doesn't matter for me if I'm healthy or sick. It doesn't even matter for me, ultimately, if I live or die. It doesn't matter if I'm single or married. It doesn't matter if I'm in pain or in comfort. I have found the true source of joy. And can nobody take that away from me? I love the way that King, King David uh, puts it in, in the Psalms. In Psalm 16, David writes this. You make known to me, God, the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's what I want for Christmas. That's, that's what, you can keep the iPhone 47, whatever. I, that's what I want, right? I want, I want my joy to be, to be full. I want pleasures forevermore in the presence of God Almighty. I love the way that Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, pastor, preacher in, in the 1800s put it. He said this, you must find joy in God or you will not find joy at all. And isn't that true? H haven't most of us tried to find it in other things? Careers, pleasure, food, drink, power, sex, whatever it is. And Spurgeon, all those years ago, was, was right. You can, you can seek joy in all of those other things, but you're ever, you're only ever going to find it in Jesus. Now, now many of you, I think, have experienced this kind of deep joy that kind of undergirds even moments of deep sorrow and sadness in your life. I'll never forget just a few years ago, my, my wife and I have told this story here before. Many of you have been through this experience. We uh, found out that we were pregnant and, and we were super excited about it. We, we ended up losing that baby. And uh, my wife went the first time, saw the ultrasound. We told the kids, we set our three kids down, said, hey, look, we're gonna have a baby. You're gonna have a little brother or sister. It's exciting. So we're, we're gonna take them to the second ultrasound. And so we pack up the whole family. We, we go. And so you, you guys, many of you know the experience, right? The, the ultrasound tech gets really quiet. And you're like, oh man, this is not good. The doctor comes in and says, hey, listen, I'm sorry. There's, there's no heartbeat. The baby didn't, didn't make it. And I remember that day, the feeling of sorrow and despair and darkness. And I remember walking my family out to the car, lots of tears and snot and all that kind of stuff. And I remember my, my sweet little wife, as she buckled our kids into their car seats. I remember overhearing her saying these words, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And she was quoting the biblical story of Job. If you know anything about the biblical story of Job, this is a brother that knew a lot about loss and sorrow and lament, right? All of his, all of his kids die. He's stripped of all of his wealth, all of his earthly possessions, everything that he had worked for his entire life. 
One day his wife looks at him and says, hey, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Lovely woman she was, I'm sure. And yet we get to Job chapter 13, and I, lo- I love these words. After Job has lost everything, after most people would spit in the face of God and walk away, he's gone through so much suffering and so much sorrow and so much loss. These are the words that he pins. And I love this. This should be our anthem this Christmas. And as we head into a new year, Job says this, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Joy an act of defiance in the face of overwhelming darkness. And I want you to listen to me, friend. That kind of joy is impossible. Listen, it's impossible if the Christmas message isn't true. But I'm here to tell you, man, I've staked my life on this. I believe this with all of my heart. The Christmas message is true. Jesus was born into this world 2,000 years ago on a cold, dark, dreary night, and he lived a perfect life for you, the one that you should have lived but you never could live. And he died a substitutionary death to pay for your rebellion and my sin. And then three days later, he walked out of that grave just like he said he would to give everybody who would call on his name everlasting, indestructible joy now and for forever. I I, I love the way that Tim Keller, pastor up in New York City, puts it, we're kind of land the plane with this. This is what Keller writes. While other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. Let me close with these words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter four. This is what Paul writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. When times are good, when times are bad. When you get steak for dinner or you get a kale salad for dinner, rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice. Verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Why, Paul? Because the Lord is at hand. He's here, God with us. Emmanuel, joy is now possible. Now, how many of you know that it's absolutely unreasonable to have joy in the darkness of this world unless, unless the Lord is at hand? unless Jesus really did come to give us bulletproof, indestructible joy. Now, I don't know where all of you who maybe are online in the room this evening are. I don't know where you're, where you're at. I do know that some of you for sure, for sure are walking through hard seasons in life. You're walking through hard times. You're walking through darkness. Some of you who aren't will be over the course of the next month or the next year. And I'm just... I'm just telling you, listen guys, joy, joy is found in Jesus. I don't know where you're suffering, I don't know where you're hurting, but I do know that joy is not just, listen, it's not just possible for you, joy came looking for you 2,000 years ago and his name is Jesus and you can know him and you can experience this kind of joy. And that is the only reason that we can have defiant joy in the face of darkness. And I think that's a Christmas message that's worth celebrating. Let's pray and then we're gonna sing, we're gonna celebrate. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you and I, I, I'm grateful as we, as we head full on into Christmas morning and, and not too long. I'm grateful that, that you give us the truth in your word. You don't, you don't sugarcoat anything, God. Th- this world is dark. 
and it is angry, and it does seem hopeless at times. And happiness does seem like it's, it's, a, it's elusive at, at the very least. And oftentimes it even feels like an illusion, man. It's like you kind of get there and it feels like you're finally gonna get it and that thing's gonna give it to you or that person's gonna give it to you and then you, you get it into a mouthful of sand. But God, I'm, I'm so grateful, so grateful that you didn't leave us in that place that you didn't leave us in the shattered darkness, you didn't leave us in our sin. You didn't leave us in our sorrow, you didn't leave us in our lament, but that you sent Jesus, the light of the world, to rescue us, to redeem us. You've given us the solution to the problem of this world. You've given us joy in Christ, God. And so as we head into Christmas Day, Father, I, I pray that we would keep our minds, attention, and our hearts, affection, focused on the reason that we celebrate this season, that joy is possible, that, that joy wrapped himself in human flesh, and he came, and he lived among us, and he died for us, and he rose again, and now he offers us his joy that we can walk out in the rest of our lives and even into eternity with you, Father. I pray that we wouldn't forget that this Christmas season, God. We pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus, our Savior, the Christ. Amen. Church family, let's stand and let's worship.